Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Exodus 3 and 4. As we read through the Bible, every passage is important. This is the Word of God that we are dealing with. There will not be one day where we get to the end of our reading in the Old Testament and say, well, this doesn't matter at all. Uh, But what we do see is that some passages stand out in their importance. For instance, in 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul talks about the core facts of the gospel being of what he says, first importance. So the fact that Jesus died on the cross and rose again, that is of first importance. Or also in the Old Testament, we will see certain passages that clearly play a pivotal role in the story of the Old Testament, passages that are clearly then come back to many times in the scriptures. I think just even in Genesis, the call of Abraham and the promises made to Abraham, these are significant passages because the Bible will come back to them again and again. And I say all this, uh, one, just to remind us of, of how we should think about the Bible. None of it is unimportant, but some passages clearly stand out in their importance. I say that because we're coming to one of those important passages today. As God reveals himself to Moses at the burning Bush. And one thing that God will reveal there about himself is his name and really the significance of his name. So as we look at this passage, Exodus 3 and 4 today, there's three main things that I want us to see about God. And the last one will really get us into how it affects us. Uh, But the first thing we're going to see about God in our reading today is that he is self-existent. And that comes as God reveals his name to Moses. Uh, Let's look at this. This is a very familiar passage in the Bible, the story of the burning bush. Moses, he is not in Egypt. He is in the wilderness. He is a shepherd. And he sees this bush that is on fire but is not being consumed. And he makes sense. He goes to check this out. I've never seen anything like this. I need to go take a look. But as he gets there, God calls to him out of the bush. And in verse six, reveals himself as I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. So one thing we're even already seeing in this passage is it gives us a very high view of God. And then God talks about his plan to go and deliver the people of Israel. And we'll come back to some of these things in a moment. But what we get into are a lot of questions. That's a lot of what chapter three and four are. Moses asking a lot of questions about what God is saying, about what God is planning to do. And in verse 13, we come to one of those questions where he basically says, what's your name? If they ask me, what is the name of this God? What shall I say to them? And then in verse 14, God says to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me 
to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, or that there. And this is something to note. I think we've mentioned before, if you're reading in the English Standard Version, which that's what we're putting up on our website, that's what is being read if you're using the website and listening to the Bible. And that's maybe one of the downsides of listening to the Bible is when you see it, uh, you, you see LORD here in all caps, the last three letters being kind of smaller, but capital letters. Every time you see that in the English Standard Version, that all caps LORD, they're saying this is where we find the name Yahweh. And in this passage, and even the construction of that word Yahweh and how it's related to this word to be, it's all connected here. The name of the Lord that we see all throughout the Old Testament, Yahweh, flows from this statement of him saying, I am who I am. And then saying to the people, I am has sent me to you. So God is self-existent. God is. You cannot say that. Nobody in this world can say that. No thing in this world can say that. We were created, we were made, we were conceived, whatever it may be, but God is, and he always was. There is not a moment in eternity past, and there will not be a moment in eternity future where God cannot say, I am. He is self-existent. He depends on nobody, and he depends on nothing for his existence. And that may sound somewhat academic, but we need to just step back and say, that's pretty incredible. And one of the reasons why maybe just saying God is self-existent doesn't mean that much to you off the bat is because you have like no category for that in a human experience. Everything that you are familiar with is dependent on something, but God is not like that. Frankly, that should blow our minds, but it's very much connected to the second thing I want us to see about God, and that is that God is a promise keeper. God is a promise keeper. If we go back earlier in chapter 3, it says in verse 7 that the Lord, Yahweh, said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. So God has seen God has heard what is going on to Egypt, and then he says he's going to come down, deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians, and bring them to a good and broad land, really to the land. Then it says of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, what we know as the promised land, the, the land that even today is the nation of Israel. Now, we have to connect because we haven't finished Genesis that long ago, this is a clear reference to the promises of God. God has already promised, starting with Abraham, that that is where his descendants would dwell. God even told the descendants of Abraham the people are going to go into Egypt and then they're going to come back here. So God saying this really calls back to the promises of God and highlight that God is a promise keeper. And then in chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, when he's telling Moses what to go and what to say, verse 17, he says to say on behalf of God, and I promise that I will bring you up out of the land of Egypt and then into the promised land. And God even says how he is going to do that. He tells Moses what to ask for initially, but then he says, well, Pharaoh's going to say no. 
and I'm going to use a mighty hand to compel Pharaoh, and even you're, you're going to plunder the Egyptians, and that's exactly what happens. God says the future before it happens. Now, I want us to look at that connection between God being a promise keeper and God being self-existent. To truly be a promise keeper, you must be self-existent. And you might think, wait a minute, I keep promises. Well, kind of. Can you keep promises like God keeps promises? No, you can't. Because God knows the future. God can guarantee what will happen. Really, if we're getting technical, the promises you make are not certain. You can promise your son that you will take him out to ice cream tonight. But there are a plethora of things that could conceivably happen that could make you keeping your promise impossible because you are not self-existent and you can't control the future. But God is self-existent. God does control the future. So he, when he makes a promise, it will be kept. Do you see the difference there between divine promises and human promises? Really, human promises are promises are about a very high level of probability to almost certainty. God's promises are absolute certainty. And that's something we should see here. Uh, that's clearly something that is inherent and important to the nature of God throughout the Bible, is that he is Yahweh, he is the, the great I am, and that he keeps his promises. We depend on the reality of these things. Now, the third thing I want us to see about God, and this gets even more into how this is going to intersect with your life today, is that God promises to be with his people. So maybe technically this is a sub point of uh, the, the, the second thing, that God is a promise keeper. Well, one thing that he promises is that he will be with his people. And you see that even in chapter 3, verse 12, God says to Moses, but I will be with you. And a lot of what we see in chapter 4 is God giving signs to Moses, like casting down his staff and it turning into a snake, putting his hand in his cloak and it coming out leprous and how to reverse these things, even the promise of turning the water of the Nile into blood. All of these signs are meant to show that God is with Moses. And that's where we look at this promise, and God is not making this exact same promise to you in the same sense of Moses, because he's not calling you to Egypt, and he's not giving you signs like throwing down your staff and it turning into a snake and things like that. But that, that is one thing that we see throughout the Bible. God repeatedly promises to be with his people. So when you see God making that promise to Moses, you should see something that you can relate to. God is promising to be with Moses. God has promised to be with me. I even think of the last phrase of the Great Commission where Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now that should fill us with confidence. And that does not seem to be Moses's first reaction. And I guess some level of how is this going to work is understandable, but clearly it reaches a point that brings out the anger of God. In verse 10 of chapter 4, Moses says to the Lord, O Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past and since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. And then God starts to say, well, who made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? 
Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But then in verse 13, he says, O Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. So when we doubt God's promise that he will be with us, there is a sense in which it arouses the anger of the Lord. We need to take God at his word. Now, we don't always know what that might look like. We don't always know what that will lead to, but we can depend without a shadow of a doubt that God will be with us. And when we start to doubt that, when we start to act like that's not true, that does not please our God. So God is self-sufficient and he's self-existent. God is a promise keeper and God promises specifically to be with his people. I hope you can see how this is a pivotal passage in the Bible. I hope you can see how this is an important passage in the Bible. And I hope you can start to see how this should impact your life today. Don't go through life today without living like you really believe that God, the God who is self-existent, the great I am, the God who keeps his promises, he is with you. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.